0: Anthony's new book is out, Unstuck, a life manual on how to be more creative, overcome your obstacles, and get shit done. Check out AnthonyMindel.com/slash unstuck to sign up for updates, promotions, and get your copy of Unstuck today.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Anthony Mindel. Welcome to In the Moment, a podcast about acting, art, and life, and that tricky little thing we're all after but rarely find ourselves in. The moment. In this series, I talk to all kinds of creatives and friends about the joys and the ah, heartache and challenges of acting, writing, producing, and getting out of our own ways to be the creative channels we all are. For more information, go to anthonymyle.com, and you can also find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Okay, I hope you enjoy.
0: In today's episode, Anthony interviews casting director Howard Meltzer. Howard is known for casting projects such as Hannah Montana, Raven's Home, The Virgin Suicides, and Bunked, to name a few. The two talk about Howard's career in casting kids and teens, his process in identifying talent, the do's and don'ts of auditioning, and the importance of preparation and deadlines.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In The Moment Podcast. My two assistants, the engineer extraordinaire, just did a double clap. I love that it was in unison. We're here today with the accompaniment of the drip, drip, drip at our studio, but that's not going to outshine our guest, casting director extraordinaire, Howard Meltzer. Hello. Thanks, Howard, for being here.
2: Well, You're very welcome.
1: I've known Howard for, God, how long have you been casting, first of all?
2: I, I have been casting forever. <laughs> I have been in Los Angeles for 19 years. Oh,
1: wow. So, okay. Yeah.
2: So, I was, so I kept But you were home. in New York before. I was in New York. So I born, Are you born there? I am from New York. Oh, wow. Um, born in, in Queens, went to oh, school whoa. in New York. And my first job out of college was in a casting office in New York, Stuart Howard Associates. And I was there until I moved to L.A. And at Stuart's office, I started in the commercial department and then segued into the theater part of the office and okay. worked on dozens and dozens of Broadway shows what
1: year when were you there I'm wondering if we were in New York at the same time
2: um do you remember the 80s
1: okay you were a little ahead of me <laughs> <laughs> I was still a that, teenager in the 80s how about the 90s I was there in early 90s till well, the late 90s
2: I was there until 19 years ago so okay our paths might have crossed yeah maybe were you auditioning, were you auditioning yeah I
1: feel like I went into that office before because I know him
2: what I, um who was your agent back then
1: I was with the Krasny office. Oh, sure. And then J. Michael Bloom mm-hmm. and Paradigm, like commercially Paradigm, J. Michael Bloom. and Because you could freelance back then, do you remember? Mm-hmm. Yes. But I was with uh, the Krasny office. Do you remember Gary?
2: I do. Yep. And do you remember Norma Eisenbaum? I do. I was her college intern.
1: Oh, whoa. Looking All of back. our listeners are like, who are they talking about? Yeah, it's like we, they're talking about Norma Desmond. Yes.
2: <laughs> Do you remember Norma Desmond? Sunset
1: Boulevard. Do you
2: remember when I used, to, I used to cast the talkies back in the day? Yeah,
1: exactly. Before we went from silent era <laughs> to today. So, wow, how are you? Okay, so you have been... So how, how many years have you been in the business then? 30? Um, 30. Wow, okay. Let me list some... I mean, listen, you have a very extensive resume, but you've done it all. I think it's, it's very, quite varied, which let's, is...
2: Let's, let's see what you have. Okay, well,
1: I didn't list all of them. We would have been here for the whole podcast. But let's start with, you know, Netflix's hit Tall Girl. I think there's a Tall Girl 2 and a 3 coming out.
2: I just did the additional casting on Tall Girl oh, 1. okay. But thank you for So people who IMDB. weren't as tall
1: as the tall girl. Exactly. There you you cast yeah. okay. Yeah. N- nobody to eclipse her height, there you go. right? Okay. Diary of the Wimpy Kid? Yes,
2: correct.
1: The Virgin Suicides. Are you
2: going back? If you're going I'm going back, back of course. The These are in no
1: like order with, you know, legendary Kathleen Turner, Kirsten Dunst, mm-hmm. Danny DeVito. Mm-hmm. Who else? Josh Hartnett? Yeah, I mean, I, that was a, a really incredible movie. Yeah,
2: I cast Kirsten Dunst in commercials back in the day. Whoa. When okay. she still needed to get a, a half hearted waiver. Like oh, that, wow. Yeah. When
1: she was starting out, yeah. right? Lab Rats. Yes. Disney's Lab Rats. Huge success. American Dad. Correct. Wow. So you were in the animated, animation that was casting, a, too. That was
2: a very quick, brief career for me. Okay. Yes.
1: I mean, that's probably a different animal, right? It's totally different. Yeah. Maybe we'll circle back on that. And the famous Hannah Montana.
2: There you go. Uh,
1: like so many episodes, like 98 episodes or something like that? Or?
2: There were, we did a 101, oh. I cast a 100 out of 101 episodes. Whoa. So, yeah.
1: You were like, it was nonstop, right? You would finish a show and then the next week you'd probably be, you were like.
2: Well, yeah, that's the nature of episodic. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, the show was extremely successful. We were doing um, like 30th season.
1: Oh, wow. Wait, no. Was that Miley Cyrus or... No. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was. Okay, I remember. You got, you got that okay, right. Okay, I, I, I just pulled that out of my <laughs> rear end. Okay, wow. So you've done a lot from like kids programming to some really beautiful movies to what's what's on the agenda today.
2: I'm here for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, uh, tell me about... like So you have your own company. So I, I, I'm always trying to impress to actors that good casting directors, unless they are... You know, um, executive casting directors with a, th- a movie studio. You, like actors, are hustling for work, right? You're having to go in for a job interview.
2: Yes, yeah. It's it is. If you ask me, the thing I dislike the most about my job, ask me, please.
1: Interviewing. What is the thing you like least about your job?
2: I hate, I hate looking for work. Uh, and yeah. So yeah, and I don't think a lot of actors are aware that most. Casting directors are always looking for their next gig. Right. And it's staying in touch with clients and touching base and updating your resume and getting your website in order and all that kind of stuff. So how
1: does that work? When, it, let's say your show, whatever show is done and they're not being renewed for a season, how how soon in advance do you start hustling for the next job?
2: Usually four months before a show ends. Okay. So start, oh, wow. Yeah, I just start putting out. Feelers, letting people know that I'm going to be available. Okay. Sending a cheerful, updated resume. Right. Um, so yeah, and that—that's just pretty much the process. I don't. If you ask me how to do it properly, I have no idea because I'm sure there are other people who do it way better than I do. But I just try to let people know what I've been working on mm. and um, let people know why I'm interested in working with them specifically. And since I've developed. I guess a niche in the kids and young adult market. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud to say that I'm in probably the top five of casting directors at work in that area. And that yeah. So okay. and I'm I'm really happy Disney. about that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well it does take a special skill, I guess, just like working with kids and animals is a special <laughs> talent. Well
2: the thing about it is that it is a special skill but it's a I don't like using the D word meaning discovery. Uh, uh-huh. I like I I try to use the I word. I try to identify talent. So, very often, if you're casting for a new series, you're not going to be finding people that have extensive long resumes mm, if they're not right. if they're nine years old. Right. So, what we do is um, I'll see someone and I'll think of them. Let's talk about a, a, a circle as a 360, right? So I'll look for people. You definitely want a full circle, but if maybe they're a 280. And you see the potential, mm. and then you'll give feedback to their... If their agents or managers want feedback, give them notes about what they did well, and the things they might need to work on, and build their... And just just build it.
1: It's hard with kids, right? Because in terms of... I have a lot of different philosophies about working with young, young adults, young people, right? Because when they're 9, 10, 11, 12, essentially... And again, depending on the tone or, or the form of the show, it might require a certain style of acting, right? Like, And yet kids essentially are themselves. And so I'm always trying to get them to lean more into themselves without putting like maple syrup on top, unless the show is requiring like, you know, the jazz hand aspect of it. But that's tricky too, right, Howard? Because after a certain show, let's say a Nickelodeon, we work with a lot of young people. Who, let me say it this way. People who broke through being young performers and now as adults Correct. are really trying to find their way in the business because those skills are not what are necessarily needed for an adult career.
2: It depends, and the and the tone and the, that's right. The tone of the shows could be different, but the nature of what we watch in entertainment keeps changing. So that's true. There are a lot of Nick and Disney shows are a, a lot of them are multicams. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain sense of the style of comedy, mm-hmm. and it's a very traditional. If someone wants me meet, if they hadn't watched a show, I'm casting the series bunked, which was on Disney Channel now. Okay. And if someone asks the tone of the show, if I would say, well, if you just watch classic television, if you like, if you watched an episode of Will and Grace, right? It's a standard multicam
1: for kids though, or yeah. for teens. Young adults, yeah. yeah. Like, what's adults. the age range for Bunked?
2: Whoever wants to watch it.
1: <laughs> um, a...
2: We're in season seven right now. Oh,
1: wow. I know, it's crazy, right? I, I'm sorry, I haven't seen Bunked. I feel like I'm, I'm out of that demographic.
2: You've definitely grown out of it. But um, if you just watch... He um, just, just told me
1: straight up, I'm yeah. definitely aged out.
2: It. But it's just pretty simple. Just watch an episode; you'll get a sense of the tone. It's a standard multicam. Okay, um, what's
1: what's the median age of the like the the protagonist on that show? 16, 15, um, or younger? Our
2: cast is nine to oh wow, twenty four. Oh wow, okay. You're see, clearly you're a lapsed viewer.
1: Yeah, I really am. It sounds like the family von Trapp, like the whole. Is Sound of Music from I don't care Liesel no Liesel's the oldest she's yes, seventeen to Greta,
2: Greta okay sure
1: <laughs> so from four to okay so wow is it a, tell us about bunked is it about bunk beds that's it where is, I'm venturing
2: it is about kids in summer camp ah see that wasn't too far off okay so, yeah even though we did thirty episodes last season um it's all during takes place during the summer
1: okay oh wow. Right.
2: It's a, yeah, it's a very, very sweet, lovely show. Okay. It, it's one of the happiest places I've ever worked.
1: Aw, that's lovely. Yeah. And they film here in
2: California. In just a few blocks from here. Okay. Sunset Las Palmas Studios. Oh
1: wow! And that's where their 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 campsite is. It's on a soundstage, <laughs> but yes. Okay, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Oh, that's nice to hear. It's a really lovely show, and the people are great. My produce, and... Yeah,
2: it the it's been a joy to work on especially because the um, my executive producer showrunner Aaron Dunlap the original showrunner and creator Pam Eales everyone I've worked with on the show um, it's very collaborative mm. and they want me to bring in the best funniest actors and if they write it in a certain age or a certain even um, if they just I play with everything so I just want to bring the, th- the actors who I think are going to make the material shine and they're extremely open to that
1: and do you feel like you're there's always enough kids to choose from there's
2: there's always always, right well it's we're in los angeles there's a tremendous talent pool
1: yeah yeah how do you deal with the momagers i don't oh you don't have to deal with that i guess you don't
2: i really don't i really don't Um, i I guess the agents and managers more have to deal with yeah i work with agents and managers yeah And I don't really get to know the parents until they have the job. Right. But since I have been sitting in my kitchen for the past three years. Okay. Due to this global pandemic, I'm really not on set much. Okay. So So
1: you're, uh, for those who don't know what a momager is, (laughs) it's a lovely term for a parent. Sometimes a mom who's maybe overzealous in the, a mom wanting it maybe more, a parent wanting it more than the kid does.
2: And that is that is not unique to only. Performers. That's true. You're right. There are, Sports. There, there are like there are like tennis, dads. That's right. You're so, right. So yeah, there's. But when I do teach and when I'm in the room, which hasn't been for a while, it's um, you want to make sure that it's what the kids want, right? And not what parents are pushing, right? And you could see that pretty clear when they come into audition.
1: I always think it's so interesting because I, I can't. I didn't start as a kid. I mean, I started. I started acting in college, so I mean, I f- still feel like a kid. My boyfriend says I act like a twelve-year-old teenage girl. <laughs> but I guess to me, sometimes when I work with really young adults, I wonder what the rejection process is like. Because, because you know, you don't ever want to see a kid like, oh,
2: it's. Um, I wouldn't
1: be able to handle that, to be honest.
2: Oh no, who would want to? Who would want I to? I know, but, and that's, but that's. It's hard
1: wow. enough for adults. I'm like, want but, me, love me.
2: But that's that's a lot for the career of any actor.
1: True. And I know where rejection is hard, even though we know it's not personal. But as a kid, you don't have how they don't have the awareness, or maybe they do. Maybe they don't care about it as much as it an adult.
2: Really depends on the parenting uh, and how I'll protective. Down to that. No, but how protective the parents are going to be, right? And I know there are some performers that they. Like, even if they're going to be testing for a series regular, the parents just shield them from, what like they know what they're doing. Right. They know what they're going up for. But just to, like, shield them from the process.
1: Right. We have a client who's, he's 15 now, I think, or 14, 15. He's one of the leads on Cobra Kai, but he's mm-hmm. started, you know, he's been on that show for six years sure. now or something. But. But it's interesting talking to his mom, a lot of parents that I talk, you know, when they're providing a well round, it's not just about acting like he's really active in sports and you know, they all have a lot of other things going on. So it almost kind of, I think, distracts
2: the kid out of
1: the one audition.
2: There have been times when there are some actors who have come into my office, young adult and kids, and I would say, they're like, "Why why aren't they booking? And I'm like, I want to know, like, are they in school? or are they homeschooled? Uh uh Uh-huh. Are they, do they have, like, you want to be able to have, you can't, you can't perform, you can't portray a character that's living a life if you don't get to live your life. Right, right. So, yeah.
1: What do you say to an agent or a rep if the, the kid is really overacting or, like, you see that they, this, again, this is challenging, right? Because kids, to me naturally are hardwired to do what it is that acting is requiring them but some have been taught to act and so they don't realize
2: but it's the same note that I would have given to a um, if someone's 13 or 30 um, the choices are not coming from a grounded place oh wow
1: you're getting deep with the kids then I get it that's good you have to be honest
2: the thing also when I'm doing auditions it's, I'm much happier in the room with actors and everything's been on zoom for the past three years Right, but I will often, I don't expect young actors, meaning like a nine-year-old, to have one tremendous life experience for the character that they're they're portraying, or the technique that a 30-year-old actor should have. But then I'll just start asking them questions about their lives. Like if they're in the story, I'll say, do you have a younger brother or a younger sister? And she'll go, yeah, I have a younger brother. And I'm like, how much younger? And she'll say, four years. And I'll be like, is he a jerk? And she'll like, and I'll say, okay how did that feel? When, and then I try to get them into a moment. Right. So then it'll make sense for the character and the relationship they're having in that scene. And some actors are like, oh, and they could process it. Right. And repeat it.
1: Right. Speaking from there, that's kind of how we teach, you know. That's why we share the same philosophies in many ways. So, Howard, how did you, how did you sort of carve this niche in terms of kids' projects, it is and truly did it just happen organically, or oh no, no, oh.
2: no, no? It's um, it's truly accidental. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I, so yeah, because I when I worked at Stewart's office, I was on staff in a casting office, and I never had to solicit business. Okay, we were right. talking about that before we turned the mics on. Yeah, I never had to. lie and so the thing I don't. Have to like about my job is that I have to solicit business right but I digress and I'll try to tell this super fast no it's okay my former business partner Carol Gowasser and I Oh, have I
1: remember f- Carol yeah, yeah. she has her own she's doing her own thing now right or is she, she still
2: casting I would say she'd be sitting by the pool but it's raining right now oh she, she retired she's retired she's retired and living in beautiful Palm Springs
1: she brought me in for a lot of things shout yeah. out to Carol loved her Carol is phenomenal. she's a really great lady keep going and
2: we worked at Stewart's office in New York oh wow So we, know we that. Go okay. way, back, way back decades Anyway, we partnered when I got out here, okay. and w- our first couple of pilot seasons, we worked on like three network studio pilots. None got picked up to series. Right. Same thing the following year, oh. and I thought, this is like, oh. who wants to do so I Who wants to do it? So right. yeah, and we've already, you send out resumes, and I literally faxed a resume to Disney Channel, to that person who was in charge, saying, mm-hmm. why we'd be great to work with you. And I would cast Annie on Broadway um, okay. in the 97 revival. Go with me on this. okay? Yeah. So that was my pretending. Who was
1: the Annie? Not Sarah Jessica Parker. That would have been in the
2: 80s, right? That The Sarah Jessica Parker one would have been in the 70s. Because um, okay. um, she's like, I'm like, we're about the same age, I think. Yeah, yeah. But let me play spin the story okay. and the name will come to me in a moment. Okay, good, you'll good, you'll good. you just hear me going, um. <laughs> anyway, that was my trying to say, oh, I know how to cast kids. We had a general meeting at Disney Channel, went nicely, they said, we, um, we have some things coming up we'd love to work with you on, which if anyone who's worked in the industry, you hear that often, and they called us six weeks later, and we went in and we met on Hannah Montana, oh, um, London wow. Stroud, who had done the original casting, right. we're not continuing with the series. Okay. We interviewed, we got it, and because the show was so successful, it just changed the trajectory of, of our careers. So. I believe that we were good at our jobs before, but having a hit show makes people believe.
1: Of course. Yeah. And, yeah.
2: and so we just, basically I just didn't have to pedal as hard. Right. And work started coming to us.
1: Yeah. I love that story. And like kind of your first entree, not really because you'd been casting, but like it was a huge hit, right? Yeah, like Hannah Montana.
2: I, and yeah, so yeah, I was just working, we were working on, untitled this and untitled that right? and now we finally had something that had a title and people knew what it was.
1: So you mentioned, this is a good question I think, so you mentioned London Stroud, I remember them as well, Lisa London, oh Lisa London, I've had her on my podcast and Catherine Stroud, Yes, these are also, I would go in their office all the time, they didn't cast me, I don't hold it against you, but but, okay, so uh, when somebody, let's say, cast the pilot like you said, is it, I mean, I know this is always gonna be different, but maybe shed some light on, on what your take is. Then, if a series gets picked up, sometimes does the network wanna just try to bring on new eyes for it? Or, cause you know, a lot of times the original casting directors are not the people who end up doing the series. It
2: happens a lot all the time. Yeah, it was it was truly mysterious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's an availability thing. Uh-huh, okay. So you just never know, cause right. there sometimes a, there could be a casting director that could do a bunch of pilots. And maybe they all get picked up. So and they, they can't everything. do all of them, of course. Or sometimes, and I th- um, sometimes the casting process could be kind of brutal. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they just want to have different people to work with. Since I wasn't there, I, they would have to answer the question. Right, right. But I just knew that we were told they were not moving forward with the series. Right. They put together an incredible one of the most successful kids shows of all time. Right, it's yeah. Of, you know, hats off to them. Yeah,
1: I always find that interesting when a show is really successful but the or- originators... I, f- I
2: find it incredibly interesting when I'm not the casting director to move forward with it with after I've done the podcast. Pie- so it you happened- have had that happen to Oh you. yeah, it happens yeah. to everybody.
1: You get a call and they're like, you know, we love it, you did a great job but we're just going to go in another direction kind of like you, acting.
2: Just like acting. You get this phone call <laughs> and you could just tell by, you the, by the tone in the voice. Oh no. Hey, Howard. How's it going? Uh, what's going on? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is not good. Oh, God. This is not good. Is it
1: usually the showrunner, the producer of the show, it or the sometimes
2: network? It's a, sometimes it's the network heads. Uh-huh. Um, Oof. No, and sometimes it's the showrunner. Sometimes I've worked with people, and I've said to this when I was replaced on a series, and they were telling me I wasn't moving forward, the showrunner. And I said, I totally understand. I never... My job as a casting director is to crawl into a writer's head mm. and anticipate what's going to tickle them, what's going to make them laugh. And when you start a series, you're just figuring it out, or pilot. You're just... F- right. And it's a, building a level of trust. And then, hopefully, when you're, like, in the third, fourth, maybe, like, in the seventh episode, and it's moving like a machine, um, I've had showrunners say, oh, you know what we like. Right. Oh, So then... I could just bring them a handful of actors for guest roles and it becomes pretty simple.
1: But Howard, you know, that's interesting because I think too it's fascinating because when somebody is replaced in that regard, it also suggests to me sometimes what we know about this business that if something isn't working, it they're always trying to, if I replace you, then it's going to work better, even though it really may have nothing to do with the casting. See what I'm saying? But, Not always. I'm just saying. But
2: they, you'll, hear, you'll hear stories about certain shows, how they are always firing actors. Right. And replacing stories, them and after hear, the pilot. You'll hear sometimes war stories about someone got fired at the table.
1: Right. Oh, I've had a. St- I've had students who... and
2: it's devastating because you can't. How can you possibly reason with someone and say it's not about you? Right. When you are the one who's getting fired. It's. It's. It. it I can't tell you two and two ever. It's, it's so random. No right. And you have to. And it's just a chemistry. Yeah, that's thing. right. And sometimes, and I've worked on shows that the material is just not working. working. So, I try if I had to explain it to someone, perhaps or if you talk, I'm not a musician. If you talk about a musical instrument, and perhaps the cello would sound better playing this as opposed to a trumpet, right, and sometimes that's what it is. it's right. just a different instrument that's a beautiful distinction,
1: yeah, I think this is really I think all of this stuff is analogous to any creative in the business, you know, specifically acting, we can relate um okay, so tell me in terms of what – just let's talk a little bit about – because I don't actually – this season I'm focusing on a lot. I'm bringing a lot of casting director friends of mine, and I haven't asked any of them this, though. Like, what's your – we talked about this before we started rolling. What's your do's and don'ts or pet peeves about maybe in terms of actors not quite getting it when it comes to casting?
2: I mean, like, what I do for a living? Or what, no, in terms what, of, what like – Or what they do, what they bring to the table?
1: Well, like, yes, like, what <laughs> – it's like a, like when an actor brings a gun to their casting. I mean, that's just like a ridiculous. But I've heard still. I've still heard it's, like it, I've seen it all. It's never happened on. Bunked. Oh wow, it's never happened never on, on your bunked. watch. Okay. No, it's
2: never happened on Bunked.
1: Oh, it's never happened unbunked. No, okay, never hap- it's, it's probably not all. appropriate. But I do
2: know the casting director that told that story, and it's a true story. But I no, know it's um it's preparation.
1: Preparation. Well, you're talking about also being on time, and you don't understand why people would miss a Zoom session.
2: I don't understand. I, here's what I do understand. I understand that everyone who's auditioning is doing something else for their money job. Let's—they could be on set, working all on um, twelve-hour days, right. and they can't get to the material until the weekend. I get that. Or you have a day job, or there's all these. Um, but I just want to make sure that when you come in, you've prepared. Right. And I've. Again, using the example of 13 and 30-year-olds, I was casting a film on this film, Lonely Boy, which was a wonderful script, and there were actresses who were coming in for pre-reads, and if someone doesn't know what that is, it's like the first time someone's auditioning for the role, and they're reading for me, the casting director, and I'll see it. There were actresses who were coming in that had never read the script. And I gave them the script. I gave them the audition. I let them have ten days before the audition because the, there was a lot of this was not a kid's yeah, dense project. material, yeah. mm-hmm. and you could just tell they hadn't read anything. You could also see when they would have their sides in their hand, and they, the pages were still sticking together, like they
1: like they never even looked at it, uh, never so, even opened it up.
2: So feedback for the agents, Ouch. I was just saying yeah. that they weren't the least bit vested, right? And staying on the same Lonely Boy story, um, my the writer of Lonely Boy, um, Alev Aiden, who's a wonderful writer, was sitting in at some of the auditions. So very often, so actors would come in, they'd say, he'd say, oh, do you have any Do you have any questions? questions? And you can tell if they had read the script or not, because right. the, all you need to know is that the character, Frankie, was she real, or was she a figment of, now I'm forgetting the other character's name, um, of his imagination, but anyway. And so Alev would say, what did you think? And all of a sudden, it turned from an audition to a work session, because mm-hmm. they were talking about the process. Right, of course. So when I was working on my next film for Alev and I had a um, an actor that I was friendly with, and they were saying, hey, anything I need to know? And I said, come in with intelligent questions, because he'll be impressed that you did your work. Mm-hmm. And who doesn't want to talk about what they wrote?
1: That's right. Writers so, love talking about...
2: What they like yeah that's it. right yeah so yeah and then it's it's a way in like it all takes the edge off and it feels like you have the job already
1: but do you think that you know going back to <laughs> they hadn't even like the the pages weren't even dog-eared or like do you think it's because the actor maybe is new to acting and they don't even know the process or are they just I don't know I find that really interesting I know you can't speculate but uh, Sometimes I just think, and especially nowadays, and you could maybe address this too because you've been in the business forever. But for me, teaching for twenty six years, the mm, ideas—not ideas—like I think a lot of people who come to acting, and it's hard for me to remember because when I, you Mm -hmm. know, when I was living in New York and going out auditioning for you or whomever in New York at twenty three, I was in—I was working it out, and so I came to acting. I am not saying I was like a great actor, but I was coming from a place of understanding more about myself vis-a-vis acting. But I think a lot of young people, they just come in blindly in a way.
2: Well, there are people, um, I'm frowning upon this, who want to do it just to be famous. Right. And we ask a little bit about pet peeves, and I'll see sometimes, and I'll ask, why do you want to...
1: Why do you want to act? Yeah.
2: yeah. What brought you here? Uh And they'll be like, because I want to be famous. Oh, wow. You've had
1: people say that in the room?
2: Well, they were 11. But yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and clearly that's not
1: the case. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, um, good but, for that eleven-year-old, though.
2: Well, they you, also children often don't have filters. True. So they just say what's coming out of their mouth. That's true. So, and that's a good thing. Good thing we all found out found that about. But I think what I like. Can I talk about yeah, what I like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will see if someone's prepared. Right. I mean, okay. If. Um, depending on the project, if it's a guest role right. on a television show, it all depends on how many roles I have to cast that. Way. It's how much time I have. So this past episode, unbunked, um, I only had one guest cast actor to do. So my associate and I, Tim Pratt, had, we had time to audition 250, 275 actors, Whoa. go self-tape, send the tapes in, watch them. and then You
1: watched 250 tapes? Between the two saw, of you guys. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And then. Do you, what, wait, hold on. I want to hear more of this story. But do you, within the first 30 seconds, do you decide and no? I always say we do.
2: It depends. Yeah. It really depends. I could see if someone's made, if they've made absolutely no choices whatsoever. Yeah. You could tell yeah. it in, in a moment. Yeah. But I want to be able to, and again, I try to pick sides that are um, bite-sized enough. Okay. Because I don't I don't feel it's fair to make an actor over prepare for, for a self tape. Right. So, it's usually like two pages. We'll stick with it. Okay. Yeah. We'll stick with right. it. Right. That's like a minute and a half or and whatever. And then I yeah. want to and this particular role had lots of turns. It okay. just had lots of different levels and turns, which right. is challenging for a 9-year-old. Right. And you could see the process and sometimes we'll do a work session before I bring them in for producers, but Anyway, but seeing someone who's prepared, and that's what we'll remember for the next role. Mm-hmm. And if I see someone who's really making no effort whatsoever, I'll take a break. Mm. It's not like I will never see them again, but we'll take a little break. Uh-huh.
1: Well, I'm always saying, I mean, that speaks to you're not auditioning for a job, you're auditioning for your career. So if you like somebody, but they're not maybe right for the role, but you loved what they brought to it then you'll bring them back for that show later on or another show you're doing and that's why it's the shortcut is the long game as we know Today's podcast episode is sponsored by Wee Audition. Receive 25% off with the promo code AMAW on weeaudition.com. The video chat community to audition, rehearse, self-tape and get advice and hopefully book the fucking job.
0: Enjoying in the moment. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us at Anthony Mindel and at AMAW Studios, plus all the worldwide accounts near you for updates.
1: I'm sure you've been bringing in actors you've liked for a long time, right? That's like the Rolodex for casting directors. Oh, I love...
2: Do you want to educate your... your yes, educate them. What 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 no, you... you have to, what a, oh, explain. do I need to be educated? Do you have to explain to them what a Rolodex is because they won't know. Oh, Yeah.
1: <laughs> your address book on your iphone do even people have that no back your yeah, back, your back, dms on back, instagram
2: back in the day before we had all these electronic devices there were there was this big round thing which was called a rolodex which had and there were eight and you would look oh. their numbers up because you wrote them by hand, but who cares about that right now? Right. But, um, so I digress. We were talking about actors, auditioning, preparation. Well,
1: things you like Re- or pet peeves and... So
2: Tim, who's my current associate, who really cares, he really mm. cares about the actor when he sees our actress or performer, um, will they get... Um, that they've been heard, that they've that we responded to them what we liked. Unfortunately, it's not moving forward. And he'll give great details to the agents and managers about they did a wonderful audition, we went with someone else, and this was the reason why. Oh wow, that's very thorough. And he'll say, Howard really looks forward to seeing them again. Mm -hmm. Or we'll say, something was going on today, it just wasn't mm -hmm. wasn't their day. Um, But he really cares about the role, and for this particular role, the sides, we were asking for one scene to prep ahead of time, but he included other parts of the script and said, Read this for this is for context. clarification, yeah, yeah. Context only. And there was one kid who came in, like, we're talking about a 10 year old boy, okay. And and I said to the manager, and I said, He did not read any of the other information because he knew nothing about the character. We included it right so he would know about the character. Right. And she said, Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk to him about that. Yeah.
1: Well, you guys are a very sweet office though. That's very generous a lot of time. I'm always saying, listen, I don't deal with kids at that level like you are, but for adults, I also think it's important if you get feedback great and if you don't, you just need to keep moving forward and sometimes it can be general because casting if you're if casting directors are seeing 300 people, 275 people for a role, it's also uh, uh, I'm always telling the actor like everybody's also going to have a different subjective opinion about your work, right? It is
2: totally subjective. It is subjective. What I'm going to respond to is going to be what someone else is not going to respond to. But here's just some other like little tips of the industry. Um, I use Breakdown Service most of the time. There is a history button on Breakdown. And I can click and watch all the previous auditions that I've taped. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a wonderful archive for us as a uh-huh. point of reference. Uh-huh. And I've said this to an agent once, and I said, nah, we're going to take a break from seeing Joey. And I said, because he's not into it. And I said, do you watch the tapes? He's just walking through it. They're making no choices whatsoever. Right, so they can see it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That is the beautiful thing about self-tapes now, that I, I think for me and, uh, and oh my God. managers and agents – can see now more of the process for the actor in the room, and can see, you know, yeah, they're and it's they're um, in it in a different way.
2: Yeah, and it's and the actors have to performers have to bring it. Yeah, if they're not. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've there was one agent who would call me and ask me about feedback about, and she goes, well, "She was fantastic. Did you watch her tape?" And I'm like, "I did. Did you watch her tape?" And she's like, "And I said, watch it. Call me back in five minutes." And then they called me back. She goes, "I'm so embarrassed." Oh wow! And okay. I said, "You should be incredibly embarrassed. I can't believe you picked up the phone to call a casting director to hard pitch a client on someone you had didn't <laughs> even watch." And I said, "Don't do that again," Ooh. in my very Miranda Priestly way, because it was just, "Don't waste right. my time." Right. Right. No, for sure. Because I'm never going to believe you. Right. That's just that was an isolated
1: case. Yeah. yeah. It's good that you, it's good to hear that you see so many tapes, though Howard. Because I think there has been buzz around town. Sometimes, that casting directors, don't even watch tapes. I, I know that's not true. There, we should dispel there, that myth. But
2: there are articles in the trades, and I think it's it's a frustration. I think that anyone would have. If I so, I sent a pitch resume out, pitch letter, updated resume, and Tim had said, "Did anyone at this company respond?" And I'm like, "No." No. And, he's, and I said, but it doesn't mean they didn't read it. True. I'm like, would I like to hear a response? Thank you so much. It's wonderful. Congratulations on, we can't, oh, maybe they right. read it when they were on their phone. And then right. And then the forgot. light turned green and they just you're kept right. driving. No, you're right. But the thing with performers, and I, you're in a vacuum, and it's so challenging for performers in the past three years because they're not in the room. At least when they would come into the room, we would have this interaction. You'd get to see them. How are you doing? give them a note or redirect say good job and you have that affirmation and that's missing and i think that's where the frustration happens mm-hmm. whether saying are they really watching everything i can only talk about my office right if you get it by the deadline if you get it by the deadline if you get it by the deadline <laughs> we're absolutely going to watch you're going to watch it if you don't get it to the deadline the odds am i going to watch it probably not right because i've carved out the time and when I'm going to watch tapes. Tim, who's been like so on top of everything, he <laughs> sent this email to our manager and he said, it's come to my attention over the past three auditions. Um, Joey has not sent the tapes in. He always misses the deadline. you want to check with his family? Because if, if, it's, if, it's if he has a lot going on with school, maybe just take a break.
1: What was I'm I'm, not, I'm invested in Joey and the parents now? What happened? Did you find out? I got no response. Oh, okay.
2: I blame the parents. But again, no. Yeah, I'm just are you, kidding. You're working on a film, or you're yeah, doing your right? own. I get it.
1: Right. Interesting. What just doing a well? Let me ask you this: uh, How would somebody get in to be seen by your office? What do you mean? Well, you remember in the old days. I would just drop off my headshot resume in the box outside your door. It was, knock, knock.
2: Yeah, it back. Okay, so back when Anthony still had his Rolodex, <laughs> there was this really.
1: I would rollerblade my the, ass to your, was, your.
2: The world. Cassie the office. world was very quaint.
1: It was quaint. And, it was so
2: innocent. And if actors, if actors were auditioning for a play in New York when I worked at Stewart's office, they would either come to our office to read the script there oh we, yes I remember that you could sit there and you'd read like, it yeah if they didn't want to like send the script out right yeah um, or if you had audition sides because there was pre-email and internet i right. have been doing this for decades right they would come and pick up their sides in the office or fax
1: the sides remember faxing
2: I remember pre- <laughs> I started work before they were fax machines so yeah wow yeah so yeah but they would come in and pick up the- so they would have face and right. pop their you get to see them it, that's would true do the rounds of dropping off and resumes and trying to get face with people. That's what
1: I would do. Yeah. Stalker, mildly stalkerish.
2: Yeah, that's a little bit You know
1: what I mean? But you got to do what you got to do.
2: Yeah, it does. And nowadays,
1: I, you can't do. I mean,
2: well, I'm on the, Well, I'm in my dining room, but okay. um, before, but I was in a studio lot, so you wouldn't get very far.
1: That's true. You can't get through the gate. Yeah. But so nowadays, could they send an email to you, or is it mostly still happen through agents and managers? Or oh. I'm just curious, like you know, people.
2: It's there, definitely an agent and manager right. world. Yeah. I don't teach a lot anymore. Okay. So that used to be a way to, to find other talent. Like when I would come to your studio and teach in person, yeah. I was very, very impressed by the training that the actors would be receiving. So I found that whatever choices, for the most part, they were making came from a grounded, right. human, funny place so I enjoyed coming to your studio oh, to thank teach. you for that plug Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no it's true and but other places I would not I, I didn't understand the training mm. or not that I didn't understand it I just wasn't whatever the finished product was wasn't working for me right so um but no people should definitely stay in touch do not e- please don't email me right I still get paper mail um, oh wow at my bunk casting office at sunset las palmas so yeah so usually um pas will like drop off my mail okay or i'll go pick it up usually like, every couple of weeks but i love paper mail right if people wanted just to touch base with me okay um sometimes people reach out via social media
1: okay yeah that's not, a good tool which is but not
2: horribly horribly intrusive right just when put people email me today i'm sitting here for an hour Quiet day, but if I'm casting a couple projects at the same time, I'm not getting to it.
1: Right. But that's true. I forget about that. Like, you can, I don't know, you can find talent that way. I do sometimes, like, with things that I'm looking for, casting, or if I'm working with a casting director on something and want to, they'll, they'll recommend, oh, check out this person on Instagram. You know, it's, it's an interesting tool.
2: It is, it's a whole different world. Yeah. How, how, to, just, to try to do things that don't seem stalkerish, right? As you would just yeah, say. Yeah. But not intrusive. But, like, I've had actors and actresses and performers shoot me a message on Instagram saying, thanks so much for the callback.
1: Oh, okay.
2: But basically what they're doing is they're trying to, like, say, remember me.
1: Right, right. So do you frown upon that or?
2: It doesn't. It doesn't help. It doesn't intrude in my day. Okay. But let's, 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 we shouldn't, don't, the goal should not be becoming pen pals that way. Right,
1: right. Remember me. I mean, I have people just DM me and they're like, cast me. I'm like, I'm not a casting director. It's just so crazy. I mean, I don't even know who this person is. First of all, I have to accept their DM. They're not like a friend. It's not like you texting me a question. Sometimes they're so aggressive or they'll send me their reel and they won't even say, hi, Tony, I'm a big fan of your work or I used to go to your school. Mostly these are not people who are even trained, right? There's like some, they're firing at some other level. So actors don't do that. It doesn't work interesting they're like thanks for bringing me in i don't mind that for me in terms of like a thanks for something i in, find it in,
2: in a, i prefer a, a, i like a postcard
1: uh-huh I, not, I, I thought you were gonna say a box of chocolates no okay.
2: please don't buy me starbucks <laughs> gift cards oh well pass them on to me howard yeah, i'll take I them i do not want anyone like so when there was an actress who i had been auditioning for a bit and it's a few of the kids who are. I just cast a series we wrapped in January called Pretty Freakin' Scary, okay. which is going to drop on Disney Plus in June and okay. Disney Channel. Cool. Um, we did 20 episodes. Anyway, um, some of the agents had said they'd want to say thank you. And I said, what's the best way? And I said, don't send me a gift, write me a handwritten note. I said, absolutely save all my handwritten oh, notes. Oh, uh, that's very sweet. And, and when
1: somebody th- takes the time to do that,
2: and they, I want to train people that that's a very civilized way to show that you really care. Yeah,
1: the lost art of It's true when I get cards I do get car, I got a card from a student the other day at uh, the studio changed her life and I was like Aw. But it,
2: but you, I'm looking and you can't see the look on Anthony's face but it's a, you get touched by that. You know I
1: really did. But you I can, may have cried a little
2: bit. I cry a lot. Well you have technique so <laughs> you could tell it off.
1: You no, know, it was really touching that somebody took the time. Also, there was a gift included, and, you know, I love my gifts. <laughs> but, um, wait, I had one more thought about that. But, okay, it's that's, that's good to know, Howard. Yes. Um, um, a handwritten oh, remember name. when cookies? But, well, please, I had a student once. Do like remember cookies? Well, when they would thank you with cookies and treats. But I got scared. Like, I had a student once who would make me elaborate meals, but then he was not happy, and I was scared it was going to be poisoned. So, uh, you know. Remember cookies at the office and brownies and like baked goods. Christmas oh, yeah. time.
2: Oh yeah, Stopped <laughs> eating those. But um, but, yeah, we di- we're we digressing. I remember, but I remember
1: in the days of New York and out here at Christmas time, if I would like randomly have to go to a casting office around December. There would be signs on certain casting offices' doors saying, "Please do not bring us any baked goods."
2: <laughs> it's so Who crazy. Would say something so
1: I don't know. So Howard, let's do the uh, let's do a speed round because okay. we're almost out of time. It's gone by so fast. Um, what was your favorite movie of the year?
2: I have to think. Um,
1: and maybe I haven't seen everything yet. Banshees, I
2: mean, I love Banshees. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh that, yeah, it was beautiful. That's my favorite movie of the year. Yeah. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Really also love. lovely.
1: Yes. What's something you can't do without?
2: Something I can't do without coffee in the morning. Oh, I love it. Yep.
1: Do you do Starbucks or just regular brew?
2: I'm Starbucks, Morning Joe.
1: Ah, okay. Got it. Yeah. What is your favorite movie of all time?
2: Um, all About Eve. Oh, I
1: love All About Eve. Yes. Oh, it's my... I, uh, that was a cigarette mine. I was not he, committed. He,
2: yeah, he was, yeah, he was doing his, his <laughs> Betty could, Davis. I couldn't think of
1: it. Yeah. Who's your Hollywood crush?
2: I don't know. I couldn't tell you I have one. Oh,
1: okay. Who's somebody who... An actor you've always wanted to work with, but maybe haven't
2: yeah can I say yeah Kate Blanchett if you'd like to be on Bunk's season 7 <laughs> ah, I'm only on good the ninth one. episode
1: she's gonna be like the den mother at the camp I uh, love it yeah, if a she's, special if, episode
2: it would be really nice
1: as the as Lydia Tarr coming to conduct the orchestra at the camp that would be amazing she, she
2: can come back as Blue Jasmine
1: okay oh yeah she was really am- did one, she win the Oscar for she that did. she did she was amazing that's one that of
2: my favorite movies of all time
1: last question how would you describe love
2: unconditional understanding. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Well said. I always say my definition of love is just this moment right now. So thanks for being here.
2: Oh, (laughs) is that my exit music to go?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Howard, where can they find you? Where can they DM you and bring you cookies? No, I'm just kidding. um, Are you on the gram? You're on the gram because that's where um, I reached out to you, I think.
2: Yes. um, I am on Instagram at Howie, H-O-W-I-E, Meltzer, M E L T Z E R. 310, um, Twitter, still use that. Um, it's just my name, Howie Meltzer. Thank on you. Twitter, and if someone wants to send me a postcard, they could send it to, um, look up the address. It's Sunset Los Palmas Studios. It's 1040 North Palmas. Oh, right Podcasting. over here. Okay, yeah. perfect. Don't drop it off at the gate. They won't, right. You can find them on the gram. Thanks, Howard, for being here. Thanks for inviting me. This was fun.
0: Thanks for listening to In The Moment. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and follow us at Anthony Mindel and at AMAW Studios, plus all the worldwide accounts near you for more.
1: Today's podcast episode is sponsored by We Audition. Receive 25% off with the promo code AMAW on weaudition.com. The video chat community to audition, rehearse, self-tape, and get advice, and hopefully book the fucking job.